Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Mastermind Minutes. My name is Gary Okigrosso. I am the founder and managing partner for Franchise Growth Solutions. We are a franchise sales organization and franchise development firm servicing as a supplier the uh, beautiful folks in the franchise business. And for those of you who are new to Mastermind Minutes, it's a very simple concept. We have one guest, we have one topic or question, and we get one expert answer. We attempt to do this in minutes, not hours. And we always say that we realize that's a, a bit of a tease. So at the end of the program, we will give you contact information if you want to learn more about our guest or about the organization uh, that she is with. And today, uh, I'm really, really excited to have Edith Weisman on. And she is the president of Frandata. And they are a leading franchise market research firm based in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, as a 24-year veteran at Frandata, franchising is more than a passion for her. Uh, the analyzing and the understanding of all things franchising uh, and the insights and the results that uh, she brings to the table, this is, this is truly her calling. She plays a uh, pivotal role uh, in the leadership and the strategic growth for Frandata. She has been named by Entrepreneur Magazine as top influential woman in franchising. And uh, also Edith sat on the International Franchise Association's Executive Committee and remains a strong advocate uh, for the IFA and several other committees. So uh, Edith, thank you so much for being with us today. I truly appreciate it. That's sort of a shortened version there. I kind of read through it fast and and uh, I kind of do that on purpose so that it gives you the opportunity to tell us more about yourself and tell us more about uh, Frandata and then we'll get into our question. Thank you, Gary. It's um, an honor to be here with you today uh, to talk about franchising, my favorite topic. As I like to say, we at Frandata, we live, eat, and breathe franchising. So, you know, if we go to a state where we haven't experienced the franchise that we, of course, have studied, uh, we run there to, to make sure we get the full experience. Uh, so quick insights into to Frandata for your audience we are, as you said, a market research uh, company, and we focus specifically on franchises. So our objective is to know about every franchisor franchising in the United States and have a little FBI file on them. Same thing with every single franchisee. Understand who they are, how many units they own, across which brands, and how to reach them. Very very unique um, information set. And then we also study uh, study how companies do what they do. So best practice research on topics ranging from, you know, how, how to assess uh, royalty commissions against third-party delivery to, uh, so esoteric topics like that, uh, impact policies, remodeling policies, so really franchise-specific issues. Um, so I'm uh, thrilled to talk to you. Uh, the, I guess the, the thing that we're going to focus on today is um, is financing and mm -hmm. how how companies can overcome hurdles in the financing process. So the th yeah. last and final thing that we do um, is that we credit risk rate every single franchise brand that has 50 units or more has been franchising for five or more units. Um, and we also do a, what's called a, a pre-fund assessment, which is brands that are have 
less than 50 units and has been franchising for fewer than five years. Um, and this information is used by banks that finance franchisees. And um, it's a very powerful service because almost 50% of all SBA loans are financed by banks who use our credit scoring. And so it's really critical that brands know how they're being assessed so that they can either promote it and say, look, we're the best credit risk out there or understand, is there a difference between the public perception of um, the brand and what they know to be true? And mm -hmm. um, so we help them navigate that that landscape to improve the financing outcomes for their franchisees. Yeah. And, and, and thank you for that. And thank you for filling in a lot of the blanks that I left out in my intro. And again, for the franchisors that listen and the franchisees, I can't emphasize the importance of the work that Frandata does. Um, specifically, as Edith mentioned, you know, the funding and the financing and the evaluating of risk. So that that's kind of where I want to go with this because uh, and and push back on me if I don't have all my facts in order because I know you guys are like facts. Uh, I had I had dinner with someone at at Frandata a couple of years ago at the Franchise Leadership and Development Conference, and the amount of factual information that 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 he brought to the table was off the charts. <laughs> uh, so great. so so I want to get my facts correct. So push back on me here, but I guess it was recently, uh, maybe in the last few months. Uh, and the SBA sort of had a franchise directory that bankers could go to and find out so, so the information that you talked about. Um, I remember we would tell a lot of our clients to go and make sure they're on this because if a franchisee wanted to get financing, this made it that much easier. Well, lo and behold, uh, all of that, I believe, has gone away from the SBA, which is sort of, you know, a government agency or a bureaucracy or whatever we want to call it. And now you have, and I believe Frandata has always maintained its uh, registry um, for this information, as you just explained. So now that that's gone away from the SBA, I guess we'll start off by talking about how does that impact franchisors and their ability to bring franchisees in and sort of direct them to that to the SBA site, which no longer is there. Um, yeah. How does, what's that impact? It, it, it seems pretty big to me. Yeah, you are, you're exactly right. Um, so let me give a little bit of history, I think, to, to contextualize the impact. So what SBA was doing is they were uh, reading franchise agreements and they were vetting franchises for what they call affiliation. So they wanted to make sure that the franchisor and the franchisee were in fact two separate entities and that there wasn't like legal language tying these two entities together. Then they also were reviewing for SBA program eligibility questions. So what happened is, I like to say that SBA got out of the effing business, which means they got out of the franchising business. So, and what I mean by that is they basically changed the regulation so that they no longer in the SBA program would have to deal with affiliation at all. So basically the way I describe it is affiliation went poof, gone. So great. From a franchising perspective, one less thing to worry about is amazing, 
right? Like uh, most franchises aren't affiliated. So it was just mm -hmm. a, a, an arduous process they had to go through and wait for someone to say like, you're fine. Um, but what they were doing is also vetting for program eligibility. These have nothing to do with franchise specific issues, but what it can do is basic, if, if a franchise has eligibility issues, a lender, if they're doing multiple loans, they could basically be making ineligible loans one at a time and not realize it. So what this did is this transferred that responsibility of program eligibility requirements, vetting requirements from SBA to the bank. So banks now look at each other and look at it to look at themselves and say, okay, now what? We we don't read franchise documents. Like that's not, we're not, we're not in the business of reading franchise documents. Mm -hmm. So so what do we do? Well, Fran Data knew this was coming. We warned our franchise registry member, franchisor, franchise registry members that this was coming. But we also said, don't worry we're going to help solve this. And at first we didn't know exactly how we were going to sell for it, but what we knew is we wanted it simple. We wanted to take what we knew and make a simple solution. So the simple solution is what I call the kitchen sink solution. <laughs> so we went back and reviewed all of the eligibility issues that have come up over 20 plus years. And we threw them into a document and we said, for any franchisor that was previously vetted by SBA and put on the directory, we said, here, sign. If you are a franchise registry member, we will give you access to the certification. You need to sign it. And then all of the lenders that have private access to the franchise registry website. Um, so about 9,000 lenders have access to the website. They can go in, download that signed eligibility document, and then they can move forward. Now, why is it so important that it's simple? <laughs> the reason it's so important, so sorry, I should circle back. For a brand that wasn't on the directory, we find 450 new franchise brands a year. So there's a lot of brands that haven't been vetted by SBA. Right, right, yep. Mm -hmm. For all of those brands, we have another certification <laughs> that specifically addresses them. It says, we have not been on the directory. However, we were never vetted by SBA. However, we still comply with eligibility, all the eligibility issues and rules that, that are listed in this certification. So the reason why I say like, why is it so important that it's simple? All right, think about your lender. You've got a $350,000 loan or a $500,000 loan. And it's a leasehold improvement. You've got to get permits. You've got to get a contractor. You've got to get everything in line. Um, it is like a very unpleasant, long, long experience for a lender. And they'd much rather do a million dollar loan or like two million or five million than 350 with all of these yep. wickets that they have to jump through. So what we know is to help franchises, we needed to make it simple because the more you can take away from what the lender has to do and the cost. So if you don't have this certification signed, what is the lender going to do? 
They're going to take their own time to review it. They're going to take money and they're going to charge either you, the borrower, or um, to vet it. And you still might not get the loan because what if it comes back as ineligible? You've just wasted everybody's time and money. Yeah. Yeah. I, so uh, uh, let me just jump in. There's a, a, yeah. a whole lot to unpack there. So Let's do it. I, 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 first of all, uh, great explanation because even I understand it. Um, <laughs> uh, I will tell you from a, from a very uh, low level uh reason with respect to franchisors franchisees you know one of the things that i tell our franchise clients all the time that if they're not compliant with the sba if they're if they're if they're doc if their franchise agreement needs to be amended in order to be in compliance and they're not aware of that when they're ready to sign up a franchisee or when we're ready to put a franchisee into a funding uh, proposition with a lender you know, things get kicked back. It adds time to the deal. It gets frustrating for the potential franchisee. And and I always, I always say, you know, so many people who want to go into business, franchise or otherwise, the deal dies in the parking lot of the bank. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just because there's a level of frustration because most folks don't really understand the process. And when I say most folks, I'm including the loan officer at the local SBA bank. Okay. I mean, I can't imagine a loan officer getting a 280 page document known as a franchise disclosure document about a company they know nothing about reading it and then trying to evaluate whether or not that company has the right stuff for them to loan money to this person that walked into the bank. So, I, I see not being involved in this as a deal killing proposition. If you're a franchisor trying to uh, trying to sell franchises, so given what you've just told us, you know what what would a franchisor what should what steps should a franchisor take in order to a find out if they are compliant and b if not how do they get compliant and what do they do to get onto the uh, onto your site or onto the, onto the registry. Yeah. Um, so I would make sure that in, in um, a franchisor's mind, they keep things separate. So you have franchise eligibility requirements for SBA lending. And then you have credit risk issues that the lender needs to also get comfortable with. So if you think of these two things as parallel tracks that need to be solved for, the first is a franchisor would become a franchise registry member. And depending if they're an emerging brand or they're a um, mature brand, the cost and the process is slightly different. Um, but essentially, they by becoming a member, we um, unlock their account to lenders. And what that does is it provides all the full contact details to the lenders to ask follow-up questions. It gives lenders instant access to the FDD. You would be surprised how frustrated lenders get because they need that FDD and they can't get it. And they're supposed to make it a decision on whether or not they're going to make a loan. Mm -hmm. So they get instant access to the FDD. Then we send over a, the certification to be reviewed by the franchisor to make sure that they can sign it. They would sign it electronically, and then we put it up in the account so that then the lender can download it. Right now, we're keeping 
uh, an updated list for lenders that we send out to let them know, like, here are the hundreds of brands that have um, become have signed the certification. Like we just rolled this out about a month ago. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's an interesting note. Um, we did an analysis of all the franchise registry members. Uh, there are over 400 brands that are members and about 70% of those are mature. And when I looked at that, I said, huh, you know, that's really insightful because mature brands know how important financing uh, is and they're the ones who prioritize it. Uh, ab absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. You would think they would be the ones that are least impacted, but the truth is they understand the importance of it. So they're, they're on their game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a, have a couple of questions before you, uh, before you continue a couple of comments. Um, first of all, I agree when you talk about keeping things separate, you know, so the Zor has to be compliant and then the franchisee has to have credit worthiness. So just to kind of break that down. So I know I understand it. Our clients, for example, we, we sort of create the, the requirements for a potential franchisee, meaning not only do they have to have an appetite to want to invest, say $500,000 to build a restaurant, but we make sure that our franchisor clients understand that when they sign up that franchisee, that franchisee should have at least 25 to 30% of the high end of their item seven, the high end of the estimated investment in their own unencumbered cash, money in the bank, marketable securities, not money they're getting from grandma, their money. Because the bank, I, I would guess any bank is going to want skin in the game for the lack of a better word. I guess they call it cash infusion. So I, I, that's, that's the one piece. So the franchisee can come to the table with all of that and the franchisor can be compliant. And then the franchise potential franchisee gets in front of the banker and we find out that they have a 600 credit score. And that's what you're talking about. The two pieces, both pieces have to work. Correct. So I would add to that. So depending upon the size of the franchise system, the lender is going to put equal weight to the credit worthiness of the franchise system as they will the franchisee. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you have a franchise system who has a 50% success rate over the last eight years, they're going to say, hmm, looks like that franchisee, no matter how credit worthy is they are, they're swimming upstream. And that and that's because the franchisor has a poor success rate. That's right. Okay. So what so so if a if a brand is small and there's not as much um data to show that like the 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 concept has legs, there's gonna be more emphasis on the creditworthiness of the candidate and their experience. Mm -hmm. So that's why it becomes this kind of balancing act of how much weight is being put on each. But if you think about, I'll just give you like the extreme example. If you think about a brand that we have a credit score of that is nearly perfect, they've had a hundred percent success rate over eight years and they have hundreds of locations. They could literally bring anybody to the table <laughs> and a bank would say, this system knows how to make people successful, right? Like they have the training infrastructure, they have what it takes, they know because they've, everybody they've helped put into business, they've been successful. Contrast that to 
a franchise um, system that just starts started and they've got, you know, two locations and they're bringing someone to the table as their first franchisee. The, the bank wants to absolutely know how do these two perform, right? Do we actually have a business that's worth replicating? <laughs> um, and then like, can this person financially, like they, do they have the skin in the game right. um, and are they credit worthy? So those are complete opposite extremes. Obviously there's everything else in the middle where the balancing act would be slightly different. Right, no, what I gl I'm glad you gave the extreme because I'm an extreme individual and it, it's easy to understand that way. By the way, you cleared up a mystery for me of 40 years uh, 40 years ago, uh, when I was like 25 years old, I opened up a uh, Dunkin' Donuts uh, like from scratch, me and my partner. And I often wondered how I got approved. In <laughs> <laughs> And I guess it was because Dunkin' was strong enough because it wasn't me. So, <laughs> so you just cleared up a mystery because I used to say, I don't know how I got the franchise. I was like a kid with long hair, had no experience. And they said, okay. Uh, so I love that. You, you just cleared that up for me. Now, there's a couple of things, though, that you said uh, a few times. You, you used eight years, um, and you said a percentage of stores that are successful, and you talked about emerging brand versus mature brand. So, so, so here's sort of the three kind of sub-pieces to this is, What's the minimum number of units or years that Azor should be in business before they can apply to be uh, on the registry with with your firm? And what's the ratio that you see of success? Like fifty percent is not good. Does it need to be eighty percent success? And um, you know, it sounds like eight years is somehow involved in this and. Is this sort of a judgment call on the part of the bank? You said they're balancing things. So I know I just kind of heaved a bunch <laughs> on you, but I think that's yeah. all connected because yeah. if, the, you know, I'd like to know, we deal only in startup and emerging brands. Yeah. So what's, you know, what's the likelihood of them being compliant? Yeah. So there's, when we talk about eligibility, everybody needs to get eligible. So it doesn't matter how many units you have, how how long you've been franchising. From day one, if you if you know your franchisees are going to need financing, you need to make sure that you have uh, reviewed and signed that certification to be eligible. Mm -hmm. Credit on the credit side, what a lender is going to look at is uh, is the the whatever information then they can get their hands on. When I said eight years, that's for a more mature brand. Mm -hmm. uh, a more, um, a younger brand may only, like if they just started franchising, then what are what can the lender look at? The company stores. That's going to be their basis. And how long have those stores been open? And what's the performance of those stores? And yep. why this candidate, right? So like why this person are you going to, you know, essentially be business, you know, it, you're, you're, you're affiliating yourself with, with another person, like why this person? So net worth, liquidity requirements, like what are the je ne sais quoi you're looking for, you know, passion, purpose, whatever. <clears throat> they want to know as much as possible yeah. for, for, for like a new brand. Um, 
And that is going to help them get comfortable if they see what are the margins of the existing company owned location and how, like, how quickly did it take to ramp? So they're going to ask slightly more questions because there's less information to grab onto when you've got 400 locations and you, you can see like, does the ability to replicate, like, have they achieved that? And versus an emerging brand where they're just starting to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and some banks really like emerging brands because they know like they can grow with them, mm -hmm. right? So they like to latch on because if they see, okay, this concept, there's something here, let's, let's do, let's do this together. Um, and let's tell you what kind of candidate we're looking for, but you're absolutely right with the emerging brand. Um, they're going to need to bring people who have, who have equity because yep. they're going to want, they're going to have higher equity requirements um, because they don't have the franchise system to look at and, and to de-risk that, that specific borrower. That makes perfectly good sense. And quite honestly, I am really, really happy to hear you say that because my partner and I, when we, before we take on a brand in our FSO division where we're going to sell franchises or before we take on a brand that wants us to develop them as a franchise, we run them through, well, we shred their P&L. We look at their P&L and we shred them because we want to make sure that is this con is this concept viable as a franchise? Could be viable as a company store, but when you add fees and everything else, maybe there's no money in it. But we run them through that because part of our evaluation as to whether or not we will accept a brand into our portfolio, among a lot of other things, is what I, I use the term, are they bankable? Is the franchisor bankable? Because if the franchisor isn't bankable or nearly not bankable, then maybe the franchisee can never get financing for it. And, and what that means to, to us is we won't be able to close a sale. Um, so I'm, I'm just so glad to hear that maybe by accident or design, we've been doing that right. Uh, <laughs> you have been, I can uh, confirm. Good, good. So, um, you know, what, what final thought can you leave us with? Cause I, I could talk about this all day, but we don't have all day, but what, what final thought could you leave us with that might be a bit of, you know, advice, if you will, uh, for a franchisor and the steps that, you know, they should go through in order to make sure that everything is good on their end. Yeah. So, um, my final thoughts are that not every franchise system is the same. So, um, so it's hard to give like broad, broad advice um, because a franchisor that has, you know, 17 or 20 existing locations is going to have a different set of advantages and challenges to a franchise system that has, that is starting off and has one to two locations. So what I would say is that, um, we at Fran Data and the Franchise Registry will give you, as a Franchise Registry member, the appropriate advice as to where your strengths and weaknesses are as a franchise system and can kind of direct you to the right kind of places as to where we think your deals would be um, would be financeable. So not every lender has the same credit risk. Um, uh, temperament. And so um, we help to, first of all, 
give you guidance as to what needs to be done to become bankable if you actually aren't. And then, um, and then kind of give you some good guidance as to where to go to find those resources um, for your mm -hmm. franchisees. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that's, that's great stuff. And, and, and folks, we have been speaking with uh, Edith Wiseman, who is the president of FranData. We've been talking about what franchisors need to do to, if they're serious uh, about helping their potential franchisees get funding. Um, if someone wanted to reach out to you or to the company, like, is there a website? What, how, how would we reach out? Yeah. So we have two websites, frandata.com. That's to learn about everything. Go to our client testimonials. As uh, I had a, a call with a existing client um, who's a supplier who uh, was singing our praises as to how much we've helped. And he said, I'm going to, I have to stop because like, you've heard enough. And I said, no, 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 I, uh, all of us humans were like dogs. Just keep petting me. Keep <laughs> right. petting me. Um, so, so I'd encourage you to look just because it, 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 it illustrates kind of who the banks are and the franchisors and the suppliers that use our services and how they use it. Um, and then franchise registry is where the, all the lenders go to get the information. And so you can get um, some details uh, there. But brandata at franchiseregistry.com is a great email address to, to send in your inquiries or just give us a call. We're here. Great. And we'll we'll publish that in the bio of the uh, website. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for being here. I, I also truly appreciate your candor. Uh, as a New Yorker, I like to sort of cut to the chase and not mince words and that's that is exactly what you've done here today. And I think it's important. I was born in New York, so I, I oh, feel OK, there, OK. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. That's two <laughs> mysteries you've cleared up for me today. So so that's great. Uh, I look forward to seeing you at IFA in a couple of weeks. And uh, uh, again, thank you so much for being with us today. I, I, I truly appreciate you giving us your time. Thank you, Gary. It's been it's been great.